Blog Talk Radio. To the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast coming to you every Saturday, just about every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And this broadcast goes out live on Blog Talk Radio at that time where um, I am happy to have been for more than a decade. And then if you're listening to the podcast across time, knowing that you are ever-present in this moment here, listening and in this space, wherever or whenever you are, this broadcast is available on several popular podcast platforms. And I'll mention at the outset FrontierBeyondFear.com where you can learn more about the program as well. Welcome. Today is April 23rd, 2022. Today is the day after Earth Day, and so I feel that it's appropriate to talk about nature today. And at the outset of this program, I want to encourage you that no matter what your persuasion Whatever you feel about Earth Day even itself, the Earth is central for all of us. It's something we do share in common. Beauty of the Earth can not only help us with our fears, and this is a program about fear, but it can help us connect to one another in meaningful ways. We don't have to agree about everything. We're never going to agree about everything. We have special perspectives, each and every one of us. We are beloved by the divine as Special creations, your path, wherever you are, is a special unfolding creation. And you are loved beyond measure. Can you feel that love? You were created to be here on earth. I want to recognize that as the month of April is continuing and so grateful for listeners worldwide in many different places with many different ways of thinking about spirituality. 
I want to say that I know that Ramadan is continuing throughout the month. Um, Today is also the last day of Passover, and of course we had Easter last Sunday. And so many of us in this past week have been recognizing the awakening that comes to us from the beauty of nature. And that can come through many different spiritual persuasions. I have a story um, when I used to walk in a particular place um, various times of day. Um, One day, it was Sunday afternoon, and um, I saw a minister. I heard, like in another grove, a minister talking to some people he was bringing through. And this was a very conservative person. And what he had to say, though I can't remember it exactly, Anyone could have said it about how beautiful this place was and how it connected us and how how it could uplift us and, yes, connect us to God. If we could find that moment together, that appreciation of beauty, we could do so many things wonderful things on this planet. I am today going to be doing some readings from various souls who have written about nature. And I'm actually going to begin with a very well-known Sufi mystic that we see quoted all the time in the United States and worldwide, I sense. Well, I can't claim for worldwide, although I see it all the time. Quotes from Rumi, who was a poet, a Persian poet who lived between 1207 and 1273. Rumi's full name was Jalal Adin Muhammad Make sure I have this right. I'm looking at it in more than one place. Okay. Jalal Adin Muhammad Baki. That's interesting because I, everyone always adds Rumi at the end of this. See, you know, it's very difficult to find things online. And I have to say that before the program, I really did want to give this full name. So if you've heard it in a different way, because another way I see it is, um, yeah, yeah, okay, also known as. And so in other ways, he's known as Jalal al-Din Muhammad Rumi, also known as Jalal al-Din Muhammad Baki. And there's several other ways. And yes, he was a mystic. And we've heard many quotes from Rumi, and it's crossed religious divides, spiritual divides. It doesn't, we've heard so much wisdom from Rumi and the love that Rumi brings forward from the divine. Being a Sufi mystic, Rumi would have felt incredibly connected to the divine because that's what mysticism is. 
And I have chosen because I found a few translations of this, and I have to tell you, um, I found this right before the program. And that is going to be the case of all the readings I give today. They were all things that I was guided to read. I was looking for nature posts. I was looking for things that people had written about nature. But these are not things that I studied. I may have seen this before, but I can't quite recall it. I literally am sharing this as it comes to me. This is a translation by Coleman Barks, who is quite well known for his translations. And I know, I don't know if he still does, but I know he used to go around the United States and give readings of Rumi. And this is from his blog in 2010, because I looked, I found this this particular um, bit of verse, and it's translated in a few different ways. One way, for it's the breeze at dawn. I have found some translations which say that as the breezes at dawn. So whatever resonates with you, I respect. And it, this particular um, reading is was translated as it was by Coleman Barks. It's a very short bit of verse. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. As I'm telling you this again, this is coming to me as new and beautiful as it is coming to you in this moment. And I will take a moment to reflect spontaneously. It connects us to beauty because of the breeze at dawn. Can you feel that cool, refreshing breeze. When I look at the listenership, the geographical locations for some of you, I know some of you live in or near the desert, far away from where I am. And one thing I know, having grown up in a rather dry climate myself, though not the desert, but dry, is even on a very warm day, often at least, there is a breeze dawn, a refreshing breeze, a breeze that wakes us up perhaps, a breeze that feels so wonderful after the heat of the day before. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. When we connect to nature, as a mystic would tell you, it is a mystical experience. A mystical experience does not need to be something 
um, spectacularly visionary or um, something um, exotic. It can be those things, but in its essence, in, in its essence, we are connecting to the divine. We listen in that space. This particular bit of phrasing from Rumi says and tells us not to go back to sleep, to feel nature, that breeze, come over us and be alive in our awakening. And think about what that means for our lives and what we choose on our paths, how we treat one another, what feels consistent with our conscience, how we listen. It, this poem talks of people going back and forth. They're getting on with the day. They're, they're rushing about already. We are just coming awake. Perhaps when you wake up in the morning, lately I've been going for walks in the morning. I've shifted my walks as it because it's going to get warmer during the day, and a lot of times I've been working and then I walk or, or walk at different times, and I've been gradually shifting to morning, and there is something about a morning walk and the breeze, most definitely, and the birds. In fact, I noticed um, just yesterday how the reflections in the water look different in the morning and how much I appreciate that. I'm a person who often is up late, and so it takes a bit of an adjustment. But even when I'm not out at the very dawn, I can appreciate the feeling of freshness and beauty and clarity in the morning. Yesterday on Earth Day, I observed more people out. I got out a little bit earlier, but more people were out, and clearly some were specifically out appreciating whatever Earth Day meant to them. And that's important, too, because something like Earth Day has a rather um, undefined definition, so to speak. We are paying attention to the earth. For some, it's very specific. May carry an entire list of things. I want to encourage you in this spirit of connecting to one another in the space of beauty to think about it in a more mystical way, a sublime way, the way that helps us Feel the hearts of one another, even when it seems like the divides are great. I fully believe there is an omnipresent divine. The omnipresent divine 
is within each and every one of us and reaches out to us. People, okay, so people are rushing about in this phrasing. And where the two worlds touch, what are the two worlds? There's the world of people racing back and forth and doing what they think they need to be doing. And very, there are a lot of things that need to get done in the morning. Maybe you live in a more country setting, a more rustic setting, and people are going about taking care of the livestock, taking care of the animals. They have needs in the morning. But this poem seems to indicate maybe people in a village who, you know, they have several different tasks they need to do. And certainly in our modern world, they can be that way. What are the two worlds? There's that human world, the rushing about world, and there's the open world, the divine world, which is of course everywhere, the world of nature where the two worlds touch. Now, isn't that important? And earlier it said to ask for what you really want. Let your life unfold and listen. Those two worlds, they touch. Your path in the world will be connected to that divine path. The door is round and open. That's very interesting. Round. The door is round and open. It's not jagged. It's fluid. All you need to do is walk through. And the start is letting the breeze come in your connection to that other world. Don't go back to sleep. Awaken. This is a time of year of awakening for many of us. Nature helps us to awaken. When we go out in nature, absolutely it can help you with your fears. Because the voice of nature may not seem loud. But when you do, as I did recently, and heard a beautiful bird out in the meadow and wasn't sure what it was and looked it up and discovered it was a meadow lark, something that we've heard of all our lives, and I had absolutely derived this bird from scratch, essentially. I had found, I heard the beautiful songs, and I stopped, and I was in a meadow. And there it was, the lark. This bird was singing quite loudly, but it wasn't loud enough to, to drown out every fear, not seemingly was it. It wasn't about the volume. It was about the experience. Whatever I was worrying about faded away. I think in a past episode I talked about a day where I woke up and I was feeling anxious. And all I had to do, I mean, there are plenty of things to be concerned about in the world right now. This is not an easy world to live in at the moment. 
people celebrating Ramadan, for example, they fast and they think about people who are, who don't have enough to eat. They think about those who are less fortunate. And we're in a world where famine could become a true difficulty because of what's going on on the planet. And you may be close to war, and no matter where we are, we're not far away, not in this world. And we need to walk so carefully within it because we've developed our technology to such a point it wouldn't take much for it to all go away. And I'm not talking about technology specifically, although yes, but our entire civilization, wherever we are, sure, some people would survive. And there are other things that could happen, other things that could disrupt this world. There are things that we can worry about, and it's natural to feel those fears. But for us to be as effective as we can be, nature can help us. Perhaps you have a position of some responsibility in your work. Nature can help bring some clarity. That breeze, that morning breeze is so important. And throughout the day, whenever you can, discovering beauty can help so much. Even if you can't do it every minute, just a second looking at the sky can help. It's grander than ourselves. We are a part of it. Yes, the omnipresent divine, we are a part. But it's grander, too. It's both. It's small and grand. It's in every tiny crevasse, and it's also the sky. That's what nature can do. I am here speaking to you today partly because I'm able to connect to nature and how that helps me with, with what in my has not been a walk in the park, so to speak. My life has not always been an easy journey, not by any stretch of the imagination, has it? Yet nature helps so much. Okay, I'm going to read some more poems that came to me before this program. And I will kind of be jumping around in time a little bit. And these just came. I did look for Rumi, I will tell you. And I looked for some other poets, too. But it wasn't that direct. I mean, it was just... In many cases, I was just looking through the books that I have, and I'm not intentionally missing any part of the world in this endeavor. Over time, I'm sure we'll be sharing a variety of, of writings. These are at hand in the books that I have readily available to me. Emily Dickinson, who lived 1830 to 1886, to make a prairie, 
It Takes a Clover and One Bee is the title, published 1896. To make a prairie, it takes a clover and one bee, one clover and a bee, and reverie. The reverie alone will do if bees are few. In this poem, Emily was recognizing her connection to nature. I might use the word reverence as well. That feeling of the divine. That's as simple as it can be. I was walking home and I was looking at dandelions in the cracks. In fact, there's this one place I walk where um, part of my walk right now is is on a dirt trail and part of it is on is just in a neighborhood and i notice for example the little plants pushing up through the cracks and just how resilient they are it doesn't matter it seems if they're even getting much water at all they find a way they find a way these things remind us here's a poem in the same book that just appeared by Walt Whitman, who lived 1819 to 1892. When I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures, were ranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them, when I sitting heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room, how soon unaccountable I became tired and sick, till rising and gliding out I wandered off by myself in the mystical moist night air, and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. Isn't that interesting, this poem? It's about experiencing reality. Oh, yes, we can observe it in many specific ways, can't we? just as our spiritual paths can be for many. But the experience of it transcends the words. Notice again, it talks about the mystical moist night air. Once again, we have a breeze that's refreshing us, that's bringing clarity. You could be walking in a busy city and Feel the breeze. You can connect to beauty no matter where you are. If you are fortunate to be in a more pastoral setting where nature predominates, count yourself fortunate and arise with gratitude. But if you're in a city, or I often give an example of when I had a loved one in the hospital 
I connected to things in nature while I was there, out the window. In fact, this has happened in more than one hospital setting with more than one loved one, looking at the beauty out the window. Or if you're sick yourself and can't go out, try to look out the window or turn on the television and find something beautiful. In fact, a lot of Cable channels nowadays, in between the programs, show beauty from different parts of the world. Even that can help you. Beauty exists for you. This program is going by quickly, and I know the live broadcast is about to come to an end. And I want to recognize those of you who've been listening live and also thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring the live show while it's been live on their home. And I want to invite those of you listening live to listen to the podcast to hear the rest of the program because it will be out right after. And soon you'll be able to find it in several locales, although you can always go to FrontierBeyondFear.com. There's also a way to follow the show on Blog Talk Radio. But however you find this program, thank you for being here, live audience. I'm going to continue for a little longer because I found a few different verses today that I want to reflect on. I have a couple more things to say about Walt Whitman's verse here. Is He doesn't contradict the scientific elements here that he's hearing from the learned astronomer, but he also sees something grander in the reality of the stars. We can only begin to approach that with our studies. And I have often said, as someone with a scientific background myself, that science and spirituality do not, when they are pursuing truth, contradict one another. When we're honestly pursuing truth. In fact, I believe that science could could confirm many spiritual concepts. In this particular case, I, I didn't look for the studies, but I could bet that there are probably studies of helping people with anxiety. I mean, there certainly are mindfulness studies that say, get out in nature, that it can help you. And so that's an example of the two working together, those two worlds that we heard about from Rumi. They can connect, though it is my hope the spiritual, the mindful, the heartful is drawn more fully into our busy world as well. Maybe we'll become less busy. Maybe we'll develop a culture that can sustain itself without all that rushing around and stress. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be like heaven on earth. But we can find heaven and earth at any given moment. And nature can help us. And it certainly can help us with our fears. You know, there's a very famous quote from William Blake, who I, whose poem I turn to next, and actually I may even see if I can find it really quick. I'm going to read this poem. OK. 
Okay, here we go. Because I don't want to, I don't want to say it in exactly. So I'm doing something on the fly because it's so related to what we're talking about. William Blake lived 1757 to 1827. He was a mystic. Again, a mystic sees the divine in things. And the quote is, to see a world in a grain of sand or heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. But I think we may do another program on that particular quote. I'm sure I've mentioned it in the past, but I couldn't neglect mentioning it here. But that is not the poem that I turn to today. That poem is called Ah, Sunflower. Ah, Sunflower, weary of time, who countest the steps of the sun, seeking after that sweet golden climb where the traveler's journey is done, where the youth pined away with desire and the pale virgin shrouded in snow arise from their graves and aspire where my sunflower wishes to go. There's some rather sublime connections between that poem and also Rumi's about awakening and even the astronomer poem, how we're connecting to the sky and how it impacts us in our daily lives. It's not just abstract. It's not just far away. It's very present. It makes us feel present. This next poem, I don't know if I'll read the whole thing. I turned to it, and it actually is, um, many of you will recognize this. It's fascinating how Robert Burns, who lived 1759 to 1796, how so many of the things that he wrote you would recognize like the song Old, Old Lang Syne, for example, which is right before this poem, which became a song, but it's not a song you hear very often anymore, maybe around the turn of the century, or before that, actually. Sweet Afton. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes. Flow gently, I'll sing thee a song in thy praise. My Mary's asleep by the murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Thou stock dove whose echo resounds through the glen, ye wild whistling blackbirds in yon thorny den, thou green-crested lapwing, thy screaming forbear. I charge you, disturb not my slumbering fair. How lofty, sweet Afton, thy neighboring hills, far marked with the courses of clear winding rills. There daily I wander as noon rises high, my flocks and my Mary's sweet cot in my eye. How pleasant thy banks and green valleys below, where wild in the woodlands the primroses blow. 
There oft as mild evening sweeps over the lea, the sweet-scented brook shades my Mary and me. Thy crystal stream, Afton, how lovely it glides, and winds by the cot where my Mary resides. How want on thy waters her snowy feet lays, as gathering sweet flowerets she stems thy clear wave. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braves. Flow gently, sweet river, the theme of my lays. My Mary's asleep by the murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Well, I couldn't help but read all of that poem. It so connects us to today. The world was simpler then. There were more natural settings to see. But so many things that he says connects me to my own experience, like observing the blackbirds in the morning. They sing to one another. He calls them whistling. Mm -hmm. He doesn't talk about a meadowlark, but he talks about things like Wild roses, they'll be coming out soon. In some areas, they already are. There are many things in this poem that connect us to the now. Poetry can help us connect to nature. It makes me smile to feel the connection with Robert Burns, who lived a long, long time ago in a different place in a different way, and yet we've both observed the flow of a river and the greenery and the birds around the river. So it's an example of nature connecting us. It can connect us in our own time and across time. If we were to think about what William Blake had to say about time, and yes, I do think it's due, we're due for another program talking about time. There is no distance of time. There's no distance of space. The omnipresent divine connects us, and nature is a beautiful creative expression of the omnipresent divine. Now I'm going to read, I think this will be my last one of this program. I'm going to continue to look for more for future programs, spontaneously where I'm led. This is by William Wordsworth, lived 1770 to 1850. My heart leaps up. My heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. So was it when my life began. So is it now I am a man. So be it when I shall grow grow old. Or let me die. The child is father of the man. And I could wish my days to be bound each to each by natural piety. Very 
short poem that has a lot to say as well about Emily Dickinson talks about reverie, reverence like comes to mind. Wordsworth talks about piety, natural piety. That is mysticism, being connected to the divine, being connected to nature. We share this. We need not fear that we share it. Was not this planet created by the divine? We are here for a reason. I have with dismay thought about what has happened to this beautiful planet. And it's a difficult question now, isn't it? Because as I said, we're facing famine in parts of the world. Every day, it seems, there's some impact to some food supply, whether by war or accident. And it's puzzling to contemplate and difficult. There is drought that is affecting us. There are many things that are occurring that could give us cause for stress. And that is natural to feel it. We're human after all. We're going to feel our fears sometimes. This program shows a door that's opening up that beautiful illustration by Richard Crooks from long ago, a door that is opening to the light. We can do that in any given moment. And nature can help us. Nature can help us. And that's what this program is about today. And I hope that it has reached you wherever you are in the world. And it touches my heart that you are in so many different places, places I will never see, not in this life. Together, we are here. And I hope this has been of assistance to you. Today, I'm Susan Larison Dance, and this is the Frontier Beyond Fear. And I will close the program once again with Kevin McLeod's Living Voyage, our new theme that we that I'm rather appreciating. Kevin McLeod, for those of you who do podcasts or look for music, freely gives much to the world and has for years. His pieces are under a Creative Commons license that you only need to mention when you post it. It's on the the page. He gives freely from his heart. So I appreciate him and choose to play his pieces, like this one. 
Take care, everyone. I'll see you next time. Should be here next Saturday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Find your way out into nature this week. Feel the breeze. We talked of morning and of evening breezes. Notice it. Feel it. Relax, connect. <laughs>